0: The Economist. In London, this is The Economist. I'm Anne McElvoy, Senior Editor, and you're listening to The Economist Asks. Today, we're asking about global drug control and how best to reform it. For decades, governments have funnelled vast amounts of money into funding punitive policies in an effort to win the war on drugs. But if it were a war, well, the world would still be losing. With me to discuss a possibly different approach to drugs are Tom Wainwright, our Britain editor and author of this week's briefing on how to legalise cannabis. Hello, Tom. And Nick Clegg, Britain's former Deputy Prime Minister and a member of the Global Commission on Drugs Policy. Tom, to start with you, give us, if you could, the thrust of the argument in your article about what needs to change on cannabis specifically.
1: Well, we've been arguing for ages that legalisation is a more effective way of dealing with drugs, not just cannabis, but all drugs, than prohibition has been. But the interesting question now really is not so much whether to legalise, it's how to legalise, because more and more countries, when it comes to cannabis, are deciding that actually legalisation is the way forward. We've got four American states now that have legalised recreational marijuana. About half the American states have a medical marijuana programme. Little Uruguay has done it. Big Canada is just about to do it. California is quite likely to do it in November, which is even more populous than Canada. And so increasingly, all these places which are deciding that legalisation is the right thing to do are thinking well okay now what you know exactly how do we do this how should we tax it what should we allow to whom should we sell it who should be allowed to sell it all of these questions turn out to be extremely complicated.
0: Just to break that down briefly why legalisation not decriminalisation and why are you so sure a lot of countries in the world will still be very averse to this idea what's changed your mind or persuaded you?
1: Well, on the question of legalisation and decriminalisation, there's an important distinction there. Lots of countries have decriminalised cannabis and, indeed, other drugs too. Portugal, for instance, has decriminalised the use of all drugs. But if you go to Portugal and buy cannabis or, indeed, cocaine... The people supplying the drug are still the same cartels that cut off people's heads in Mexico. So it's only really addressing half of the market. It's addressing, if you like, the demand side, but the supply side remains illegal. With legalisation, it's really the whole package. If you go to somewhere like Colorado, they've legalised the cultivation side of the business. You can go around these farms where they grow cannabis. They've legalised the sale and they've legalised the consumption. So the whole thing becomes a properly regulated, taxed industry. That's why we think legalisation is a better alternative than mere
2: decriminalisation.
0: Nick Clegg, legalisation, decriminalisation all just leave well alone.
2: No, I've long been an advocate of decriminalisation. And by the way, it's happening de facto rather than de jure here in the United Kingdom. The police and crime commissioner and chief constable in Durham have said they just don't have the resources to go after, to criminalise people who have cannabis for personal possession. So it's it's happening already, even in places where governments aren't brave enough to admit that it should happen. So decriminalisation, for sure. I mean, it just makes no sense whatsoever to give people criminal records for possessing for personal use only a drug which has harm yes and i'll come to that separately you need to try and reduce the harm but absolutely does not have to carry the same harm as many other drugs so decriminalization i think is the sort of no-brainer all of this but as tom has absolutely rightly explained if you only do decriminalization but don't regulate or let you legalize whatever term you want to use the supply you then get the absurdity for instance you which you have in Amsterdam, so people can go to Amsterdam, walk into the front door of a coffee shop, buy a, a cannabis cake or whatever, which the cannabis of which has been provided through the back door through an illegal route and, and, and you know so of course it makes sense you know given that cannabis has been consumed in one shape or form for according to some people, thousands of years, and prohibition has clearly not worked. Uh, And the law is frankly regarded as an ass in this area, and the war on drugs has failed spectacularly. Of course it's time to try and bring this out into the open and regulate the whole thing, both from the point of view of the consumer as well as the supplier.
0: Tom, you focused on how this is now going to work in places where they want to take the full step of legalization. What are the difficulties then, of implementing policies? Not as simple, is it as simply then rewriting your law to say, oh, where you go, people from tomorrow, this is all legal."
1: Well, I think the first difficulty you encounter actually is a political one because the people who are in favor of legalization at the moment are this sort of odd coalition of libertarians on the Mm -hmm. one hand who want to keep the whole thing free for people to make up their own minds that they can take it if they want. And actual conservatives on the other hand who simply see legalization as a, a better way of keeping the problem under control. And together, I think those two groups have made quite a powerful alliance in arguing for legalisation. But when it comes down to the details of, for instance, should you tax it very highly to deter consumption or to tax it it very low to let people have as much as they choose, you find these two different groups are completely at odds. So on questions like taxation, on whether you legalise and allow every single type of marijuana, including edibles and drinks and the lot – there you find actually the people who can agree that legalisation is is better than prohibition disagree on exactly what form it should take.
0: Have you encountered that, Nick? I know that you now do uh, your work with the Global Commission on, on Drugs Policy, that we're not absolutely clear what we're talking about when we talk about legalisation. Are you clear in your mind what you would do
2: if we gave you a territory to run tomorrow and said the policy is yours? In those states and those countries where they are going to legalise, decriminalisation is a given question is when you legalize in other words when you allow people to sell cannabis to supply it legally do you do that through the state like in Uruguay for instance it was a bit like selling alcohol in Finland 20 years ago which was only done through state outlets or do you do it through the market which is the sort of Colorado approach do you regulate the the packaging uh, the health warnings do you put a high tax do you put a low tax All I'm saying is that will always be a subject of debate in any democracy. I personally would start in quite a heavily, heavily regulated way in order to foster public confidence in the first instance.
0: Do you agree with that, Tom? And where have you seen, and please range broadly in your examples, because I know that you both know uh, the, the Americas very well, where do you think the model has been looking most persuasive?
1: I think it does make sense to start with a pretty tightly regulated system because, as Nick says, it's a lot easier to relax it over time than it is to allow a big industry to become entrenched and then try to rein it in. That's what we've spent the past few decades trying to do with tobacco, and everybody can see how difficult that is. One counter-argument that you sometimes hear, especially in Latin America, is that by setting prices, for instance, quite low to begin with, you've got a better chance of driving out the black market. And in countries in Latin America, that's probably a bigger worry than it is here. Over there, as we know, the drug cartels are a serious threat to national security, whereas here, drug Mm -hmm. dealers are a nuisance and a menace. But it's not such a problem. So some people say, actually, you should be pretty liberal to start with, get the black market out of the picture and then ramp things Mm -hmm. up. And there's an interesting parallel there with alcohol following the prohibition of, of alcohol in the States, When it was reintroduced, they actually set the taxes very low, deliberately, to get rid of the bootleggers. And then over the following decade or so, they increased taxes very sharply. So that's one argument for doing exactly the opposite. Although, for what it's worth, I tend to agree with Nick that probably being stricter to start with makes sense.
0: But you do bring up something there which would be very difficult to control in this scenario, which is you're going to have greater availability. There is not going to be, and you may say, well, this isn't working very well to have the law involved. But a lot of concerned parents across the world will be saying, well, my child is more likely then it's to come into... It's available anyway. To...
2: That's the, that's well, the, that's... That,
0: that is always the argument that you have to make. But a lot of people take a different view, which is that it's available anyway, but there's a little bit of a hurdle or a barrier to going to look for it under a legalised system, you would have greater availability.
2: Well, that's why the evidence of what's happening in places like Uruguay and Colorado is so important. The early evidence suggests that it doesn't actually lead to a, a, a dramatic increase in use of cannabis. very similar parallel argument was made about prohibition. That prohibition, that the places where it is prohibited, use will be less and it'll be less available. Actually, the study that I commissioned when I was in government about the only thing I finally sort of managed to extract from the Home Office, where they did a, for the first time ever, I forced Whitehall to do a proper empirical survey of the evidence around um, around the world, showed that areas which places which decriminalised personal possession didn't lead to higher rates of of addiction or or even of criminality.
0: One question in my mind, Tom, was whether this would have an impact on the consumption of harder drugs and indeed on the supply uh, uh, of harder drugs, be it uh, cocaine, uh, heroin or anything else. Because if you're cutting off that market that's been controlled by a shadowy world or even a criminal world, well, this search for profit is going to go somewhere else in drugs.
1: Well, I think the question of cannabis's interaction with other drugs is a really important one, actually, because people debate the level of harm that cannabis does or doesn't do. But I think possibly the biggest, single biggest impact that it could have could be on the level of consumption of other drugs, including alcohol and tobacco. If it turns out that cannabis is a substitute for alcohol, for instance, introducing cannabis is likely to have massive public health benefits. Tobacco and alcohol kill about 9 million people a year, according to the World Health Organization worldwide. And so you can just imagine if there's even a a 1% effect, either complementary or substitution, it's going to be vast. Nobody quite knows which way it's going to go it seems from the evidence that we have that cannabis is to some extent a complement of tobacco, perhaps because people often smoke them together, at least in Europe. The evidence on alcohol is mixed. It's not yet quite clear. And when it comes to other drugs, the evidence is weaker still. But if anything, it seems that cannabis could be a substitute for prescription opioids, things like OxyContin, which kill about 15,000 Americans a year. So there's a sort of encouraging possibility there that rather than being a gateway drug to hard drugs, cannabis could even be a, a sort of gateway out of them.
0: There are still many countries with major drugs problems, Nick, who are not attracted by the kind of solution that, that we are laying out in The Economist, or even to exploring it. Do you feel, and I'm asking you now really as a, a practising politician, whether you feel that you're winning that global argument?
2: Oh, I think there's been a huge breakthrough. Um, I mean, when I first spoke to uh, the former Mexican president, I remember having a long private conversation with him where he was just in a state of sort of despair about what this industry was doing to his country. It was sort of tearing his country apart. If you compare, and that was many years ago now, if you compare the the situation now where you have countries in Latin America and in North America doing something which was unimaginable a few years ago, which is not just decriminalizing, but you know, regulating the uh, provision uh, and supply of, of cannabis. If you look at some of the very innovative work in Europe, um, Portugal is often held up as a, as a good example. The Czech Republic is also a country where they've done a lot of innovative work, particularly to try and frame the issue as much as a sort of health issue as, as one only dealt with through criminal justice means. I think there's been a huge, you know, huge progress. Oddly enough, sort of, if you want to look at it sort of globally, Europe used to be the leader in this kind of reformist movement and has now been overtaken by Latin and North America. And one of the things I find frustrating as a European, let alone British politician, is that Europe is now oddly enough lagging behind some of the innovative stuff that's going on across the Atlantic.
0: Why would that be, Tom?
1: Well, I think the changes in America, in particular, have really changed the game everywhere else. Countries like Uruguay and indeed Jamaica, which has announced that it's going to do a legalization program, would have thought twice about announcing that in the past. Now that several American states have done this themselves, it really opens up a sort of diplomatic gap for other countries to take the initiative. And it's much harder now for the United States to push the line that it used to, that legalization is is a bad thing and those who do it will be punished and so on. And so, for that reason, we're seeing more countries feeling that they can speak out and indeed change their own laws.
0: Tom Wainwright, Nick Clegg, thank you both very much. You've been listening to The Economist Asks with me, Anne McElvoy. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist.